Welcome to Splainin', the podcast where two guys explain things to each other. That, you know, they should know. You know, they don't. Mm, no. But do you know what they do know? What? Is that my name is Jeff Sims. Uh, I did know that. Did and you? also I know that my name is Evan Smith. Did you? Yes. My God. At the end of this, we actually might know something. We won't know nothing, will we? No. But, uh... <laughs> I don't know what that sentence meant. No. Uh, we, we have learned double negatives on this podcast. We don't learn nothing. Do we? No way. Uh, well, welcome, Evan. Welcome back from our three-week hiatus. What episode is this? This is... Uh, it wasn't a three... It was a three-week hiatus for from us. you and I personally yes. being in a room. <laughs> it wasn't a three-week hiatus. Like, it doesn't count unless it's just me and you, buddy. That is the absolute truth. Um, thank you for the welcome back. Yes. Um... It was it was a welcome and yet it was a welcome break and yet I'm glad it's over. Me too. Do you know what I mean? Yes. yes. Like I love a good guest episode. It was a welcomed break. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I didn't hear the D. It was a welcome break. Like you know how it just anyways, move a on. A welcome break is correct. It's not a welcomed break. You don't welcome oh well, you welcome the break, but yeah, it's not it's a, a welcome break. Isn't a welcomed break? No. And to your point, <laughs> you also put D's on the end of other words where they don't that belong. That is also very true. <laughs> like at the end of the podcast, I noticed, actually Tiffany noticed, and then I, or actually maybe I noticed and I mentioned to Tiffany, I was like, can you listen to this for a second? Yeah. You say, we hoped you learned something this week. But I, it's really funny because if you asked me, I was, well, I mean, you did. You brought yeah. it up to me in the car and I said, I absolutely do not. Hoped is not correct. Yeah. But we listened but to you, three. But then you wouldn't say welcomed either. I actually think it's welcomed, although. Like, this has been a welcomed break. Nope. This has been a welcome break. Correct. Are you 100% certain? I'm 98. <laughs> I was 99, but now I'm 98. <laughs> Someone uh, but please it's definitely not us. hoped. Oh, no, it's no. definitely not hoped. But you do say, it's, it's, I don't think you're intentionally saying H-O-P-E-D. No. But it's like the way that the you're constant. Yeah, the elision. Yeah. 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 We, we hoped you learned something this we week. We hoped you learned something this week. Yes. It's, it's like weirdly past tense. We hope that you learned something this week. But you never put in the that. We no. hope you learned something. We hope you learned something this week. <laughs> the struggle ah! is real, guys. The struggle right. is real. It is. Yeah. Um, fun fact. Listening. Today, Oliver took his first step. Formally? Formally. Because I saw it in the video. Uh, you didn't actually see the steps. It just said in the no. in, in the in the no, it wasn't meanwhile. steps, plural. No, no, no. It was he took his first step. No, he took more than one not cons- independent step. independent step. Yes, not consecutively, but he took about five steps individually. But was there ever like two feet didn't move it sub- subsequently? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why this is so hard to explain. Because so, <laughs> actually, it's a great thing. Let's define walking. So like two feet. No, no stability, like no touching anything. Correct. Um, so you have two feet on the ground. Right. No stability. Mm-hmm. Is it? <laughs> you have some stability. Your two feet are on the ground. That sounds like a Sarah Bareilles song. <laughs> two no feet stability. on the ground. No stability. <laughs> I love it, it. Thanks. Is it one step forward? Two steps back. And then the other foot meets the other one? Or is it just one step forward? Because technically that's just like a pivot. Like that's not well, really no. when like... you walk, you don't move one foot forward and then meet the other foot to your foot. The other foot goes past your first foot. Yes, 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 yes. So a step is a foot moving to a different place, in my opinion. Yes, but if one of your feet moves to a different place, but that's a actively step. both feet have to have moved from their original position. No, nope, otherwise, I wouldn't say that. Like 
if you plant your left foot, you can just move your right foot around clockwise all over the place and just stand up straight. Is that not that's If your not foot walking, lands, then. I think it's a step. It'll land, but you have to lift the weight-bearing foot. You have to transition weight from the stagnant foot to the now new-moved foot. Maybe. There, had, no, there, there has to be a transition of weight. So your both feet are planted, your right foot So what would you call forward. it if there's not a transition of weight? It is like, a pivot step. Like in basketball. Like when you pick up your drivel. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to go into sports reference. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk choreography. <laughs> <laughs> pivot step, step ball change. <laughs> Honestly. No, when, when and you, box square. When you when you pick up your dribble, whatever foot is the I, I dominant. Don't, I don't foot. pick up my dribble. I just you just are, you're just always dribbling. Yeah, good in your pants. Um, you one foot has to stay planted, but you can move the other one freely however you want. You can just like step in a circle, but one foot has to be stagnant. Right, right. That's your weight bearing foot. So if so, are you saying that if one foot is planted and and you're literally spinning in a circle? Yep. With by using your other foot, you yep. haven't stepped. Mm. And I'm not speaking. You haven't I'm walked. Not, okay, but we didn't say walked. We said stepped. You said he took his first steps. No, no. I said step, singular. But you, the, the argument was, was it a step if the load, the weight bearing foot didn't move? Yeah. So did he like start with two feet, put his right foot forward, and then fell over? So that's not a step. He just tumbled. But before he tumbled, his right foot got in front of the like. There was no transition of weight. Like if he went. Like no, both there feet was planted. a transition of if weight. He went f- both but once feet he got on one foot, he fell over. Nah. If he went, because then he didn't step. He just fell. Well, no. The foot landed before he fell. Like, he was upright on the one foot for a millisecond. Buddy. That's a step. It's an, that's not a step. Listeners, write in. Is that a step? How do you define a step? Like, if, for instance, if he went both feet planted, moved his right foot forward... Then he planted his weight on his right foot, and as he was bringing his left foot forward, then he fell? Yes. Or, like, his, his left foot was the foot that didn't catch and for a millisecond fell over. That is one step. Should we pineapple this conversation? I'm very adamant. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely pineapple. That is the exact reason why we have pineapple, is for when someone is incredibly passionate about something. Just for reference, this conversation, the pineapple situation that we've now mentioned. Actually, Megan brought it up. So Megan Sampson, who sent in a couple of weeks ago, um, she said, thank you for clearing up that it was her who sent in the topic. And also she listened to the Easter egg of (laughs) Katie referencing the pineapple in the episode during the Easter egg. And then we both gasped. She's like, I went back to the gasp like four times because I just couldn't stop listening to it. It is great. But the reason that pineapple exists is because in real life, Jeff and I will go on for who knows how long. Hours. Like neither of us will get tired of this. No. Everyone no. else gets tired. We our don't. partners, yeah, our partners. So get, for the purposes yeah. of the podcast, we assume assume, assume <laughs> you would react like Tiffany and Catherine in that you're thinking, stop talking about it, guys. Move it's forward. Assumed. <laughs> no one else has assumed <laughs> that you're an asshole, baby. That's another Sarah Bareilles yeah. classic. <laughs> Both feet on the floor. Both feet on the floor. Was it a step? Was it more? <laughs> Unsupported. She <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, can't laugh. Yeah, I, it's really funny, actually. Um, we were scared we weren't going to have anything to talk about. <laughs> Never a fear of mine. Never a fear of mine. Um, so, talking about people who have emailed us, um, our resident 
medical resident. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> our resident medical resident. Um, I like it. Our RMR. RMR, yeah. Mm. Uh, Ricardo uh, emailed us uh, last week to discuss the previous conversation we had during Pete's episode about um, my childhood urination. Sure. Yeah. I didn't know if you wanted to bring this back or not. This is why I left it to you. Yeah, no. Uh, he gave a lot of great explanations as to potentially why you why are the way you happen. are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've uh, never been diagnosed before. Now you're like, oh, it all makes sense. I actually forwarded the email to my family doctor to put on file. <laughs> It's okay, you should probably read this. That's why we, reasons like this is why we started the podcast. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, out, he wrote a short story, which is absolutely fantastic. But my favorite point that I'm going to mention is... Um, hold on. All right, right. So if the kid is going to a sleepover or something, you can try Desmopressin wafers. Des, Desmopressin. Desmopressin wafers. Is that a drug of some kind? It's a wafer, which are essentially <laughs> little church wafers that contain a synthetic antidiuretic hormone, ADH. It's, it is released naturally from the posterior pituitary and causes your kidneys to reabsorb water. Hence, antidiuresis, which stops you from peeing. Oh. Yeah. So, as a kid, I could have went to church... Got and some communion, had, had communion. Yeah, but like my parents could have slipped the priest like the anti-P communion. Right. He'd be like, to piss of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have too much wine, though. Yeah. Cancels it out. <laughs> <laughs> and that could have saved me from, uh, you know. Actually. Years of, of humili- uh, humiliation. Hum- humiliation is what you're humiliation. looking for. Humiliation. I would think of humiliarity. Hilarity for everyone else. Humiliation for you. Thank humiliarity. you. Humiliarity. Humiliarity. But if you had, probably wine dehydrates you, as you know, it's a histamine. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you, as a child, did have some communion wine and those wafers, you probably wouldn't have pissed for a week. Probably not. Yeah. Hmm. Write that down. Um, so if you're children out there listening, if you're still peeing the bed, well, hey, you shouldn't be listening. But if you are, yes, now you know. Yeah. Now Wine he also talks about like previous traumas and different things. Actual constipation could be a cause of it. If you if the kid is constipated, then the stool in the bowel could press against the bladder and cause frequent urination. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So like not enough fiber. Yeah, whatever. Right. Whatever. Um, and he said one last thing: biops is definitely not a word that has ever been used. <laughs> he said, but I will certainly try my best to be making it happen. <laughs> Excellent. So We've got someone on the inside trying making to make biops happen. Thing. So I'm very happy about that. And um, Cohen, you can expect, or sorry, uh, Richard, you can expect uh, your retainer <laughs> check that, in the mail. <laughs> that's his podcast alias. He yeah. goes by Richard only Dr. on the podcast. Richard. So anytime we have uh, Dr. Dick. <gasps> Dr. Dick. That Evan. sounds good. It's so... Funny, <laughs> and, it, and and he only discusses urination. Though. That's his. That's his um... focus. Yep, you're, he's a urologist, <gasps> Doctor Dick, the urologist. Oh man. Oh yes. Yep. Okay, R- Richard, Richard, Doctor Dick. This is Doc- what has to happen. Can we? Can we like think of different like Doctor Schlong? Can we consult Doctor Schlong or like? Well, no, because his name is Richard. So Dick. Dick makes sense. Yeah. There's but- no. It's a stretch to get to Schlong, if you know what I mean. Hey-o! <laughs> For me, it is. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, so we have uh, a great little episode for everyone this week. So why don't we jump in and uh, do a little topic? What do you think? Let's do a little topic. 
Do a little dance. Make, Make a little, little podcast. What did you say? Make a little what? Love. Like the lyrics. Oh, oh you did say love. Yeah. Lur. Uh, yeah. So, let's <laughs> just trudge on through. I think we should. I think we should. Bad. Okay. So, um, this week, Evan, I'm going to explain to you our atmosphere. I'm sorry. You misspoke. You're going to what to me? Explain. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah. So... It, the conversation kind of came from all those times you're talking about Columbus clouds and trying to yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to figure out like cloud formations and stuff like that. But actually, they're very minimal in the, in the atmosphere and the formation of our atmosphere and kind of how it works. Um, the clouds are minimal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have had many conversations and topics centered around biology, you know, the human body, all those kinds of things, and how we interact with our environment through our senses, through mm-hmm. our experiences, and even more importantly and more sacred, wavelengths. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and somehow you do them all. I, somehow I do them all. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know about you necessarily, but I've actually spent an irrationally large amount of time thinking about the intricacy of life. And how our planet and environment has been the perfect ecosystem to create life. It is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. All of the planets kind of aligned perfectly, pardon the pun, to create the perfect recipe for life. And not just for life in general, but for humans specifically. When the planets align, the titans come back, though. Yes, yeah, so we have to be careful to make sure Zeus is there and Hercules. It's, it's a whole ordeal, but yeah. we have the contingency plan. Don't worry about okay. it. It'll be fine. Great. Um, so there is an argument that humans are a consequence of our planet's current ecosystem and that there would be other species alive if we had different circumstances. Right. Right? But to think about things like temperature, oxygen, photosynthesis, climate, ozone, vegetation, and our atmosphere, everything is aligned, like, perfectly to sustain life on our planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, if one of those things goes off the beaten path, it is catastrophic. Right. Right? But you're saying... If, if the situation was different, there would probably be different kind of life. Yeah, so that's that's right. the argument. Right. It's like we're here being like, oh my God, this environment's made perfectly for us. We have been here and the, 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 the planet just... No, the reality is that that all was there and we evolved to it. Natural yes, selection allowed us. we evolved because us. the environment was there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Our bodies and carbon and stuff were able to, to perceive oxygen because oxygen was in the environment yes. and therefore we survived. Yes, which yeah. came first, the chicken or the egg, the human on the planet because the environment was perfect. It's exactly. And the bog done in the value. Yeah, the <laughs> bog done in the box of beer. Um, so one thing we often take for granted until, well, at least until Al Gore came along, um, was uh, our... Remember that? The Inconvenient Truth? Yeah. Was our know. atmosphere. Right? So let's dive in. So while oxygen is necessary for most life on Earth, mm-hmm. the majority of Earth's atmosphere is not actually oxygen. Right. Our atmosphere is comprised of about 78% of what? Um, Hydrogen. Nitrogen. Nitrogen. Well done. 21% of it is oxygen. Mm -hmm. 0.9% is argon. Mm. And then 0.1% amounts for traces of carbon dioxide, methane, water vapor, and neon. No hydrogen? No, apparently. I'm sure there might be hydrogen in there somewhere, but that 0.1% is accounted for like a dozen different little things. Right. so once like again, the economy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the banking system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so once again, we see um, life um, finds a way. Wait, name that movie. If you can name the movie, the character, and or the actor, 
you'll get bonus points. Can you do it one more time for me, but really nail home the actor? Sure, sure. Life uh, finds a way. I'm going to say Jeff Goldblum, Jurassic Park. Wow. Is it? Yes. <laughs> I've only seen that movie once. Yeah, it came from the classic 1993 Jurassic Park. The character's name is Dr. Ian e. Malcolm, and of course it was Jeff Goldblum. Well done. Well done, Jeff Sims. Very impressed. Um, so all of these things came together. And Jackson, life- you know how I do it? Because I know your Jeff Goldblum impression. Do Although you? not good, <laughs> I know what it is. Yeah. Because I'm so used to you going... Can you actually? Can you do it? Because I don't want to yep. do it. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Everyone, go watch the clip. Go watch it. They're in the helicopter. That's pretty good. They're in the also, helicopter. There's Sorry, a go ahead. there's a look in your eyes when you <laughs> yeah. do it, and I'm like, oh, that's Jeff's Jeff Goldblum face. Yeah, it is. So I knew that that's what it was. Well done. So of course, life found a way. Yep. Uh, all of these gases and atmospheric elements become trapped and form a protective layer around the Earth's surface. This is because of the perfectly balanced gravity that comes for Earth. From Earth, sorry. Too much... Comes for Earth. Oh, no. (laughs) Here comes the perfectly balanced gravity. It's coming for us. (laughs) Whoa, all of a sudden I can't jump so high. (laughs) But I feel perfectly balanced. Wait. I'm going to move my right foot forward. If I move my left foot... Yeah, it was a yeah. No, play on. it just wasn't funny. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll just I don't keep know. Were you trying to bring it back to steps again? Because I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> I, just, I don't. I don't want. To do this also, anymore. gravity. Yeah. Does it exist? No, I'm just kidding. Um, is is gravity? Why can't children walk? Why can, like, baby horses just jump out of the womb and just start running? That's a different kettle of no, fish. No, I know. But, like, is, it, is gravity the issue for no. humans? They just, like, they're, no. they're not... They, they, what's going no, on? No, because gravity affects all... Ob- no, gravity does not affect all objects the same. But gravity itself is the same force upon every object. So it's yes. always minus 9.8... Yeah, meters per second. Meters per second squared or something. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever it is. It's the same on giraffes and monkeys and everything like that no, as it I is know. humans. Just when human babies are born, they suck. They suck. Right. Yeah. I mean, when giraffes are wherever, like deer, yeah. it they takes just, like they just figure 60 it out. seconds. Yeah. 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 It's like teaching a dog to run up and down the steps. Try to teach them once and they got it. Yeah. Like a puppy. You just, know I mean? just like that. It is. No, it's not. You teach a dog in one day to go up and down steps and they're like, got it. Yeah. Oh, versus, oh, you mean versus teaching a baby how to walk up and down stairs. Like, it's the same, like... Harrison still has a hole in my hand. He's almost three. True, I suppose. I mean, he doesn't have to, I suppose. If no. I was a dog, I'd just let him do it and let him fall. But I'm a human, and I have compassion. <laughs> so, so I'm like, please asshole. hold my hand. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to go back. All of these gases and atmospheric elements become trapped and form a perfectly layered uh, protective protection sorry over the earth's surface okay this is because of the perfectly balanced gravity that comes from earth from yeah good so this is because of the perfectly balanced gravity that comes from earth too much gravity and it would condense the elements to form a much denser layer above the surface and would enhance the already ever-growing greenhouse effect and make our planet ininhabitable Right. Too little gravity, and the elements would drift off into space, and we would never have any protection shield at all, and we would be toast. So once again, everything just perfectly works out to create this perfect little atmospheric shield. 
Sure. Right? Uh, the physician and writer Lewis Thomas made a comparison between our Earth's atmosphere and its protective nature to that of a cell's membrane. Are you? Yeah. In 1973, he compared its ability to selectively filter what goes in and what goes out, protecting the Earth as the membrane of a cell protects its nucleus. I like that. Yeah. Uh, there are five main layers to our atmosphere. Each one has a specific characteristic that plays a role in protecting the Earth. Okay. Number one, the troposphere. That is the layer closest to the Earth's surface, which is what we're in now. It, we are in the troposphere? Technically, yes. Well, we're technically, in, uh, we're in the biosphere because we're like right on the ground level where the majority of life happens. And then we're like, we're about six, no, not six, but like four feet underground at the moment. Sure. Well, we I, 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 yeah. Well, so well it's, it's technically, still, it's, it's above sea level. It's not ground level. It's sea level. That is, everything's compared right. to. So the biosphere is when you're touching the ground, basically. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um. So it reaches about 7 to 15 kilometers from the surface. The troposphere is thickest at the equator and much thinner at the north and south poles. Right. The majority of the mass of the entire atmosphere is actually contained in the troposphere, between approximately 75 to 80 percent of it. Most of the water vapor in the atmosphere, along with dust and ash particles, are found in the troposphere. Okay. Most of Earth's clouds are located in this layer as well. It is where all of our major mountains peak, where weather systems form, and where the majority of life is. Okay. So all the exciting stuff happens right here. Right. Right? All of the different formations of clouds. It's just density and water and uh, high-rising systems versus low-rising systems and stuff like right. that. But so, sometimes when you're in a plane, you fly above the clouds. Are you still in the troposphere? No. <gasps> Stratosphere, number oh. two. This is where our common commercial planes normally fly. And isn't there a plane... A uh, um, plane, Jesus. Is there a, a cloud called like a strato-something? Yeah. And that forms in the stratosphere? It might go from one to the other. Like, it might peek in through. Okay. Yep. Cool. Um, it reaches from the top of the troposphere, which is called the tropopause. Tropopause. I don't know why I said it weirdly. <laughs> tropopause. Tropopause. <laughs> uh, so it goes to an altitude of approximately 50 kilometers high. So temperatures in the stratosphere increase with the altitude. So a high concentration... Temperatures increase? As it gets higher, yes. What? Yeah. So a concentration of ozone... A molecule composed of three atoms of oxygen makes up our ozone layer, which resides in the stratosphere. I didn't know that if you combined a single element, it made a new thing. Yeah, have you heard of, like, dioxide? Two oxides. Two oxides. So, like, hydrogen dioxide is H2O. It's water. Carbon dioxide. Yeah, CO2. Right. Right? Yep. So you could have carbon trioxide no i know but that's its own but i didn't realize that like it was just a single element i thought just yeah. like, it's all oxygen yeah but no if three of them actually form together it becomes something oz- else o- what's it called o- ozone ozone I, but i think it's just trioxide and i think they just called it ozone i don't know okay anyways sure. there might be something else with it as well that makes it ozone it's um, a new episode jeff move and on it is uh so that creates our ozone layer okay which is something that everybody's heard a million times and they know all about Uh, This ozone absorbs some of the incoming solar radiation, shielding life on Earth from potentially harmful ultraviolet light, and is responsible for the temperature increase in the altitude. Excuse me. At the top of the stratosphere, we have passed 99% of the atmosphere. Can you repeat that and explain to me what you mean? At the top of the stratosphere, so right before you enter the next layer of our atmosphere. How many are left? 
We're only on the second. There's five. Did you say the ozone layer isn't an atmosphere level? The, uh, no, the ozone is technically part of the stratosphere. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when you've hit the last, right before you're leaving the stratosphere. 99% of the atmosphere is taken care of. You've already passed 99% The next of three it. levels are in 1%. Yeah. Wow. There's less, you, the pressure is less than 1% of ground level. And we're only at level two. Wow. The ozone layer lets la- wavelengths of light con- conducive to light to pa- life sorry, to pass through while filtering out the harmful UV rays. Absorbing the UV rays is what causes the increase in temperature in our stratosphere. Number three, the mesosphere. Mm-hmm. Okay. It reaches as far as 85 kilometers above Earth's surface. Okay. Temperatures decrease in the mesosphere with altitude versus the other way around. Because you pass the ozone. Exactly. The ozone absorbs a lot of the radiation. And when you say, in, like, it's not warmer in the stratosphere than it is on Earth, is it? Like, I'm, I'm sorry, when I say, I mean, on ground. Like, if it's 20, like today in St. John's, it was 26 degrees. It's not warmer than that in the stratosphere, is it? it uh, no, it's not. Okay. So in... It increases from the troposphere. Exa- but it increases in, in, in... Yes, yes, that's correct. It's, it is the, the troposphere, but also as you increase in altitude, the temperature increases. Versus in every other section, it, the temperature decreases with altitude. While in the stratosphere, yep. the higher you go, the warmer it gets. Correct. But it's not necessarily warmer than on... Not necessarily. I no. understand. No. Okay. Exactly. Yep. So um, the mesosphere is 85 kilometers above Earth's surface. Um, the temperatures decrease with altitude. In fact, the coldest temperature in the atmosphere are near the top of the mesosphere, which is around minus 90 Shit. The atmosphere is thin here, but still thick enough so that meteors will burn up as they pass through the mesosphere, creating what we see as shooting stars. Ooh. The upper boundary of the mesosphere is called the mesopause. Okay. So anytime, so like, you know how, like, our atmosphere protects us from meteorites and from all those kinds of things? Mm -hmm. That is the level that protects us from that. So it burns out before it even hits the stratosphere. Correct. Wow. I mean, I'm sure some might make well, it yeah, to there. Well, yeah, giant but ones get through, hence, yeah. you know, meteors hitting Earth, but yeah. yeah. Uh, the next level is called the thermosphere. Okay. The thermosphere is located above the mesopause and reaches out about 600 kilometers above the Earth's surface. Okay. Not much is known about the thermosphere except that temperatures increase with altitude. Oh. Solar radiation makes the upper regions of the thermosphere very hot reaching temperatures as high as 2,000 degrees Celsius. Really? Yeah. The air here is obviously incredibly hot, but because there's so little of it, it actually feels rather cold in this area. Wait, I'm sorry. Remember, like, air particles, Uh there's so few of them, like, in that area of space, Mm -hmm. that the air particles themselves are very hot. Because there's not very many of them, the area itself feels cold. That's what's so weird. Like right now, where if, we are, the density of air is all around us, and we can't perceive an area where there is no air. Correct. But air is just oxygen and other things like that. Uh-huh. In space, or when you hit certain parts of the atmosphere, air is spread out so scarcely, it's 0. 0.0001 of an oxygen molecule or atmosphere. And that molecule is, is 2000. hot as shit. So but by like, chance, you're floating around in the thermosphere. And you touch that particle, she's gonna be hot. But she's she gonna burn your spacesuit. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't touch one, you could just hang out there. Hypothetically. <sighs> okay, sure. That's that. I it's wild. I can't I get past that. That's yep. blowing my mind. Yep. Um. So where did I leave off? 
thermosphere. Uh, yep. So space shuttles and low orbit satellites fly within this region. Oh, okay. Yeah. They just hang out in that region. Yeah. Some of the low, yeah, some of the yep. low ones do. Um, and the fifth one, which isn't always recognized, but it is, is the exosphere. Okay. Okay. Uh, it is the uppermost layer, and this blends with what is considered to be outer space. Okay. Okay. The pull of but we Earth's... don't know where it begins and outer space ends. Mm, the pull of Earth's gravity is so small here that molecules of gas escape into outer space. Okay. It can reach upwards of 190,000 kilometers from Earth's surface, which is about half the distance to the moon. Oh. There are debates among scientists as to where the exosphere ends and where space actually begins. Right. The reason it is considered an atmospheric layer is because it's where the sun's rays overpowers Earth's gravity and it can move particles around. What that means, I don't know. The sun's rays yep. overpower Earth's gravity. And can move particles around, which means... But I don't understand then why... Rather it, than getting sucked into Earth, they can just hang out there. Maybe. I don't know. That's a confusing sentence. It is a confusing yeah. sentence. But it was the only piece of evidence that someone gave me. So I was like, hmm. Anyways. <laughs> I'll write it down, even though I don't know what it mm, means. What Hashtag explaining. <laughs> Hashtag guessing. <laughs> yeah. You got some guessing. Yeah. I mean, we could have called it that. We could have. Yeah. Um, energy from the sun is constantly passing through the different layers of the atmosphere as waves, as you could have guessed, landing on and being absorbed into the Earth's surface to provide heat and warmth for life. Mm -hmm. We have already discussed how the sun's electromagnetic radiation affects our climate and weather systems. Mm -hmm. See episode one, or season one, episode 19. Go back to JLo, you nutting. <laughs> Great episode title. <laughs> one of my favorite things of Harrison's life was hearing him say, go back to JLo, you nutting, in our season one like, like trailer. Like trailer okay, thing? Yeah. I totally agree. Go back to JLo, you nutting. You nutting. Uh, and we also understand how... Certain surface and areas on Earth have different reflective properties from the sun's energy, which is also known as albedos, which you have to go see season one, episode 14, named You're Embarrassing Yourself and Your Dad. Hashtag Benny. Hashtag Benny. You brought him over while we recorded. That was bold. That was really bold. I know. At the time, we thought it was fine. And I guess it was. He only barked like once. And I was like, Benny, you're embarrassing me. Why is it? Not okay. What happened? Did he get worse, or did we just get more, like, professional? Or both? I don't have that answer. Okay. Um, but go listen to that episode, because I talk a little bit about that yeah. as well. And also, there's the episode where, I think it's season two, where I talk about Aurora Borealis. Yeah. We also talk about the sun's rays and stuff. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that, but in the uh, thermosphere, yeah. that is where that happens. Noise. Yeah. Because of the solar radiation, the solar flares, that's where you see all of that in the thermosphere. I don't think I said the thermosphere once in my description of that. So No, but that's where it happens. Good job for you. Yep. Um, so we can see the importance of the atmosphere in diluting this radiation from the sun. Mm -hmm. that is, it's, that, that's how it's affecting us the most. It's also protecting us from you know, asteroids and meteors. Right. Uh, radiation from the sun has a long way to travel with lots of obstacles in its way. The radiant energy can pass easily through oxygen and nitrogen molecules because they're basically just tiny windows that let small wave energy in and out. Right. Ozone, or O3, absorbs small oh, the wave. The ozone layer is O3? Yeah. Ozone. Oh. The whole ozone layer is just oxygen. It's just O3. Yep. Ozone. 
I mean, there might be other things in it. Right, but it's primarily that. Yeah. That's why it's called the ozone. Yeah. It's just a layer of this specific compound that just chews up all of the UV rays and protects us from a lot of the harmful... And it's oxygen. Also, the thing that gives us life protects us from the thing that would kill us. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Um... So once the radiation makes it from the stratosphere to the troposphere, water, vapor, and clouds become the enemy. Dust, smoke, and volcanic emissions scatter radiation and change the direction of the light's movement without altering its wavelength. Uh, At this point, 53% of the sun's radiation is heading to the Earth's surface. Thick clouds are actually capable of reflecting up to 80% of total incoming radiation, taking surface albedo into effect. Roughly 27% of the original radiation actually makes its way to the Earth's surface, which is like pretty if, wild. If it's overcast, is that what you're saying? No, at like the end of the day, the, so the sun is shooting its you know solar radiation at the Earth. Yeah, roughly only 27% of it actually makes it to the Earth's surface. No matter what kind of day it is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it could be. Plus or minus X amount. Yeah. But the majority of it gets... Bounced off. Yeah. Okay. Um, So there's something called the atmospheric energy budget, which in Newfoundland, we have a big reset of, thankfully. Right. Yeah. Thank God for living. Thank God for living. Um, Which is the balancing act between the sun's short wavelength solar radiation and the Earth's long length terrestrial radiation that gets sent back into space. Okay. This weird transaction of hot radiant or sorry, solar radiation that heats up the earth and then the earth spits some of that heat back out into space. Okay. So it's this weird balancing act. Right. Okay. The equilibrium is what keeps our climate in check. This equilibrium is achieved by three types of energy transfer. So one is radiation, which we've just been talking about for the last couple of minutes. Convection currents which, um, as an example, like isolation heats water from the Earth's surface, which when you see evaporates. Isolation, what do you mean? So, like insulation in water, heat heats the like the wa- the radiation. You said hits isolation. The- insulation. Oh, you said isolation. Oh, did I? You did. I'm sorry. It's okay. Insulation. Yeah. Heats water from the Earth's surface. Okay. Which then evaporates. Yeah. Becomes water vapor and condenses into clouds into the troposphere. Sure. As Hashtag the- magic school bus. Exactly. As the water vapor condenses and changes from a gas to a liquid, the energy gets released and heats up nearby air molecules. So that's how a lot of the energy gets convected from the Earth to back into the atmosphere and then back out into space. Okay. Conduction is most important in the lowermost layers of air in contact with the ground. But air is actually a pretty poor uh, conductor of heat, so the majority of the heat that is transferred through conduction ends up being carried up through convection as well. Okay. So, I mean, technically the two main ones are going to be through radiation and convection, but conduction does a little bit as well. Right. Um, So the atmosphere usually traps quite a bit of the Earth's long-wave terrestrial radiation re-radiating and reflecting these heat waves back again in a continuous energy exchange. Okay. Are you with me? So the 27% of the sun's rays that stay here Mm -hmm. don't leave. They get stuck, basically. Yeah, a good way of thinking of it. But like when the sun uh, is doing its solar radiation, the Mm -hmm. wavelengths are smaller and thinner, which is what can get through the first couple of layers in our atmosphere. Okay. But stop in the ozone. Right. Because O3 just sucks them up. Right. Okay. When the Earth radiates heat back into space, 
Yep. It is cooler. And because it's cooler, obviously, than the sun's radiation, because the sun is so much hotter, the heat that it emits, its wavelengths are longer. The heat that what emits? I just said the Earth. Okay. Right? When the Earth, like, is hot it, itself. Yeah, okay. So it's those radiating. Are, yeah, those wavelengths are longer. Uh, yeah. Do you understand okay. that? Yeah, so okay. far. So, um, so they bounce back, and they don't leave the atmosphere. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes, that's okay. exactly it. Okay. Um, so the atmosphere is actually mostly heated from below, from the Earth itself, not necessarily from, from the sun. From the core. So uh, certain gases can absorb solar radiation on its way to Earth. But okay. other trace gases like carbon dioxide, methane, water vapor, and nitrous oxide are great at absorbing long-wave radiation and sending it back to the Earth's surface. Okay. So this produces the classic greenhouse gas effect. Right. Yes. So that is actually fairly irrelevant in terms of the sun. I mean, it's, it's relevant because the, the Earth is heated from the sun technically, but right. when the Earth expels its own heat, whether the heat came from the sun or its own core, whatever right. that it's looks like. It's the leftovers. Like. Exactly. It's like second breakfast. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Lunch and afternoon tea. Yeah. yeah. So, which by the way, I think we should do a full topic on as well. Talk second about, breakfast? Yes. Greenhouse gases, all those yes. kinds of things. We could just watch The Inconvenient Truth and then like talk into microphones as we watch it. Yes. Yeah, I'm not against that. We watched it in high school, I think, actually. I think everybody watched it in high school. So previously, we have learned that not every location on Earth gets the same amount of solar energy because of how the Earth tilts and moves. Right. Right? The atmosphere ends up emphasizing this imbalance. At the equator, when the sun is overhead, the incoming radiation only has to get through the vertical thickness of the atmosphere. So it's a straight line right down through. Right. Okay. And a fairly large portion of it does. Okay. Okay. Which is why the equator is always hotter. Right. At high latitudes, the radiation doesn't hit head on and has more atmosphere to make it through. Right. So there is more opportunity for scattering and reflecting. Okay. Okay. So in theory, if the vertical atmospheric energy budget was all we had. So just that principle that I just said. Yeah. The tropical areas would continuously get warmer and warmer and warmer and warmer, and mm -hmm. the Arctic would get colder and colder and colder. Right. But that doesn't happen. No. Right? Instead, larger horizontal circulation systems, like ocean currents, wind systems, stuff like that, mm -hmm. move the excess heat that the Earth receives at low, uh, at low latitudes to the poles. And I can't escape as much as it does at the equator. It's not necessarily about escaping. Is that instead of the, the Earth being heated the same way each time, it gets heated, but then eternally, or eternally, I guess, inside our atmosphere, it just cycles the right. heat equally through the right. planet. Right. So the more heat the center gets, the more heat everywhere gets. Yeah, I guess, like, not necessarily that, but it just means that, like, it's not an appropriate distribution of the rays hit this area, and this is the only area that gets I hit. I see. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um... Yeah, so all of these complicated functions is what keeps our Earth at equilibrium. Mm -hmm. uh, it is insane circumstances like these that make me marvel at the coincidence of having life on Earth. Right. Right. Um, so to quote Crash Course Geography. <gasps> is that like Crash Course Philosophy? Yeah. Same guy? No, it's a girl, but it's the same like intro music. I love that. It's is great. she great? Is she as great as Buddy? Oh, she's fantastic. I love that. So much of how humans interact with our environment is shaped by how energy, heat, and water move through the atmosphere. Far from being a boring blanket of air, the atmosphere is an intelligent, sophisticated shield that performs complex functions to make life viable on our planet. 
Sure. Yeah, I liked it. It was it was a great little quote and a great way to to end it. Um, the I, I realized really quick when I was doing like my research on the atmosphere that. I mean, people literally, I mean, with every topic, people spend their entire lives studying this stuff. Yeah. And each time I was looking at sp- each each one of the layers in the atmosphere, I could have done 17 topics on, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, we discussed a lot of it before in other topics. And but also, like, if you did an entire topics. topic on the stratosphere, I would go to bed instead of listening to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because sure. like because we're not like we're not scientists who study the stratosphere. If you are, you're hot on the tip about it. If you're not, you're bored out of your mind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I like that you left the greenhouse gas thing. Yes. I think that's smart of you. Well well yeah, we could have sent a full topic. And I think we should. I think we should discuss oh, it. Oh, we definitely should. I yep. think that's fascinating and also terrifying. Indeed. Um, so Evan. Yes. Are you ready for some true and false? <gasps> I love me some true and false. True and false, it's true and false, man. All right, question number one. When the How Earth... How many questions are there? No, 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 it's important to know because probability, not probability, like I need to know my percentage. So here's the thing. There are three questions. Thank you. I need to get two right. you got the bonus question right earlier about Jeff Goldblum and Jurassic Park. <gasps> you give me credit? I said it was a bonus question. Okay. So you're already plus one. Oh, okay. Plus one out of four. No, plus one out of three. We're still playing out of three because you got the bonus. The bonus didn't count as a question. Well, then how is it a bonus? Do I get 25% for it? What do I get for it? You get 33%. Well, then, okay. Because it counts as one out of three. Okay. Do you so know I have, what I mean? a, I have the probability. Now you only have to get one right out of these three questions. To pass. To but pass. I could get 133%. That is correct. Okay. <laughs> Jesus and Christ. And I will. Number 1.5. When the Earth is between the moon and the sun, the solar wind pushes particles from our atmosphere all the way to the lunar surface of the moon. I did read about solar wind when I did the Aurora Borealis quite a lot. Yeah, it is definitely a thing. When we are between the moon and the sun. The sun's solar flares or solar winds. Mm-hmm push particles yep. from our atmosphere onto the moon behind us and our atmosphere some particles land on the moon's surface i think that's true and that's what makes a lunar eclipse or something like that anyway true the answer is true okay. but that is not correct okay <laughs> uh, it is called the plasma sheet oh yeah that's just a cool thing line that thing with parchment paper just in case it burns mm-hmm <laughs> So you've already passed. Congratulations. No, no, no. We're going for 133%. Amen. Number two. This is a mouthful. Due to the exosphere's inconsistent distance. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm just really focusing really hard. Okay. So due to the exosphere's inconsistent distance. Yeah. Scientists have been disputing where the Earth's atmosphere ends and space begins. Okay. Right? During the heights of the Cold War and the race to space, yep. the U.S. and the USSR were constantly battling as to how far they have gone into space. Mm-hmm. The, this battle also then muddied the waters as to where the atmosphere ended and where space began. Right. Have we gone into space, or are we still in the atmosphere? Yeah, and oh wait, Russia only went this far. Right. But are they, you know what I mean? To this day, International scientists have not agreed upon one singular universal objective distance 
to where space, uh, sorry, when space begins and our atmosphere ends. Mm, say true. False. Oh shit. Yeah. I feel like you led me very astray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at about 100 kilometers above sea level is the Kármán line. Okay. It is above the mesosphere and in the beginning of the thermosphere. It is a recognizable place where all scientists agree this is where our atmosphere ends and where space begins, even though it's within the thermosphere. The way that you said ends with quotation marks for listeners, and also the way that you said at what? At approximately 100 kilometers. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a fact to me. I said at about 100 kilometers. Yeah, at about. Okay, I can, I can remove about at 100 kilometers above sea level. Is it, though? That's where the Carmen line is. That's where exactly. they say it is. Or is it at, 100 at about, kilometers. or is it at 100 kilometers? Do you want me to bring up Clu- Google? Klugel. Klugel? No, I don't need you to. I can no. still get 100%. You can still, yep. Yep. Um, number three. Okay. If you were to compare the size of our atmosphere to the, the size, the size of the atmosphere, so like from distance top to from vertically, us right now to the top, yep, vertically, yep. the size of the atmosphere to the diameter of the Earth, mm-hmm. and put it to scale, mm-hmm. the atmosphere would look like an orange peel protecting the orange. I like this. It's a great little analogy. If it's true. But you... I feel like your last true and false made this very ambiguous because you just told me they decided that partway through what you've told me is the atmosphere, they're deciding it's now space. So I feel like the flaw is in you. But well, the flaw is not in me, I guess. Well, the flaw is in your research then, which technically is you. Okay, would you like me to... No. Clarify? No, maybe. I don't know. Depends on what your clarification. Go on. No, no, no. Okay, um, I think... Let me, all right, let me put it this way. Ignore the exosphere. The exosphere, exosphere is the one that's at the end that's like 190,000 kilometers. There's a lot of ambiguity. Okay. Well, you said that the... The thermosphere. So from, so hang from on. No, us hang, to no, thermosphere. No, no, wait, wait, hang on. Let me go with the train of thought. So the first one is the troposphere, which you said is about 50 kilometers above. What was the next one? The mesosphere? Yep. Which was about 85? No, stratosphere is next, and then mesosphere. I'm sorry. Stratosphere was about yep. 85 or something. Mesosphere was... Like also not that crazy far. Kilometers. So how many kilometers is it from? There's the also s- the thermosphere. Right. But the question being, how many kilometers is it from the Earth's surface to the core of the Earth? No, no, no. Diameter. So from left to right. Oh, all the way across. Yep. So like left to right. Oh. And I think it's false then. I think, wait, hang on. No, wait. Hmm. The distance, hang on, distance from one end of the Earth to the other end of the Earth yep. is like an orange. And the atmosphere yes, okay. is a no, peel. No, 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 you're going through the center. Think of through the center of the Earth. Like if you yeah, can yeah. travel from one so end to the So if the Earth is the orange, the atmosphere is the peel. That's your point, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the question is, is the atmosphere actually thicker than the peel of an orange? Essentially. Your question is, think of the Earth as an orange. Yes. Is the peel thicker or less than the atmosphere? Correct. To scale. I don't know. I'm going to have to guess. I think. I, th- I don't know what I think. I'm literally guessing. Oh, for a hundred percent. I mean, I've already passed, but I really want a hundred. Yeah. I think that is true. It is true. Yeah. <laughs> well done. 
Yep. That's a good so analogy. the distance of our total a- atmosphere, excluding the S- exosphere, yep. is roughly somewhere between 480 and 600 kilometers. The Earth's diameter is 12,756 kilometers. Yeah. So that scale kind of aligns. Cool. I like that. And also, I like when it's the whole concept of the, um, uh, what's it called? The um, Fibonacci sequence? It's the Fibonacci, like the thing that like elements of like the human body, excuse me, align with elements in nature. Like I think it was the Fibonacci. Yes, there's a ratio. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a ratio and a number that like yeah. all things are Which like also that. Which also coincides with pi. Yeah, and, like, anyway. also I think that's a little bit of hanky-panky, Oh, by it's the way. a little bit of hanky-panky, but there is, yeah. there is parts of it that are kind of cool. We should do Fibonacci, actually. Yes, we should. But um, well, there's the, whole- the aspect that you think of an orange, you think of the peel protecting the orange, and then also it sort of coincides with the earth. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a cool thing because it grows on the earth. Yeah, you're stretching. And it doesn't grow anywhere else that we're I mean, aware of. Like, Evan, it's not the exact ratio to no, no, scale. No, 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 but close enough to be like... To, to be get... like, yeah, that kind of aligns. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was an analogy. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you said apple, you'd be like, well, okay, I know. Well, not a peel the on the apple. Really thin. It's really thin on the apple. Yeah. And a kiwi, it's, same thing. It's like the cue ball example that Neil deGrasse Tyson said. If you were to shrink the earth to the size of a cue ball, all of the ups and downs, like the highest mountain and the lowest um, canyon... Would be imperceivable. Would be almost imperceivable the yeah. same way as the little tiny nicks and stuff on a cue ball is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that is the atmosphere for you. Well, ladies and gentlemen and children who obviously listen, enjoy your break. <laughs> Don't pee your bed. <laughs> Coastal Dance Company will begin registration for their 10th season in just a few weeks. They offer a wide variety of classes for ages two and up. With competitive and recreational options for all dancers, it's never too late to join the Coastal family. Coastal Dance Company on Instagram and Facebook. And welcome back. (laughs) 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 I felt that. Um, Okay, ladies and gentlemen, sit tight. Get comfortable. And strap in. Because I'm going to tell... Most importantly, strap in. Yes. Because I'm going to tell you about people who have the devil living inside of them. You're the devil in the skies. You're the devil in the skies. Da-dum. The devil in the skies. You're the devil in the skies. You better stop me now to the devil. Is that Can Elvis? Sing the whole song? Yeah. Okay. Um... There's also the devil who went into, down to Georgia as well. Indeed. Although the Elvis version of that song, it's like half of that time. You're the devil in the sky. Oh, it's a bit oh, ranchy. Like he likes that she's the devil in the sky, is it? The devil in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> well, Our... Jeff, to start, exorcisms. Yep. Let me tell you a story. Annalise Mitchell, probably not Mitchell. She's from Germany, so... Michel, that's kind of French. Very French. Michel, that's very. Now it's French. Now it's very French. Michel, I think Michel may be German. <laughs> was born in the Catholic village of Klingenberg in Germany on September twenty first, nineteen fifty two. And Elise's parents, Anna and Joseph Michel, were deeply religious. Before Annalise was born, her mother became disgraced by giving birth to an illegitimate child. Not Annalise, but previous child. Sure. As a punishment for her sin, Anna had to wear a black veil on her wedding day. So when her first legitimate daughter, Annalise, was born, Anna began to slowly but steadily impose on Annalise the idea of atoning for her mother's sins through religious devotion. 
What? Yep. How old was she when when she started like being like mother? I don't know. But <laughs> you she slept like, around. <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, it's not okay to have a child out of wed lock. Yep, wed lock. Yeah, yeah. Um. So she's like, you as my part of me has to also atone for those sins. When her sister Martha died in 1956 during surgery, which I can only assume is the sister who was born out of wedlock, probably, um, Anna began to push Annalise further into religious practices. Annalise grew up to be devoutly religious. In her teens, she slept on a bare stone floor, suffering for the sins of homeless drug addicts and other damned souls. Damned, that it is d in that d sense. D damned yeah. for all time, yes. Yeah. At the age of 16, Annalise suffered from convulsions and was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. The medication she was given relieved the symptoms, but supposedly caused hallucinations. Soon after receiving it, Annalise complained of seeing demonic creatures and ghostly faces. Nonetheless, Annalise finished high school and attended Germany's University of Würzburg, hoping to become a teacher. Go on. Nonetheless, <laughs> epileptic, sleeping on stones... Disgraced mother, <laughs> seeing the demons. Devil. <laughs> Still past high school. Yep. Good for her. Uh, when friends and roommates would be going off to parties, Annalise stayed in her room praying before pictures of saints. While many of her peers thought she was just incredibly religious and reserved, in reality, Annalise was suffering in silence. Her hallucinations grew increasingly intense, especially at times of prayer. The devil, or hallucinations of the devil, followed her every step, horrifying her with the prospects of rotting in hell. Ugh. This condition plunged Annalise into depression and caused self-destructive behavior. The anti-seizure drug and the mood stabilizer she was taking didn't seem to help. The first person to suggest Annalise was under demonic possession was an elderly family friend who accompanied her on a pilgrimage. The lady noticed Annalise smelled... And I quote, devilishly bad. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> like eggs? Like deviled eggs? <laughs> I didn't think of deviled eggs. <laughs> she refused to drink holy water and couldn't walk past a crucifix. Do people drink holy water? I'm not Catholic, but like, isn't that what they dip their hands in? Everybody dips their hands in on the way out of the church. Like, it's just like a pot. <clears throat> like, it's a, a vessel that all people dip their... Like, is well, that... first off, first off, holy Do... water is just any water that has been blessed. That is okay, just that's like... like... The next question was, what makes it holy? Exactly. So the so, priest goes, the holy bada water. bing, bada boom. <laughs> <laughs> Avada kedavra. <laughs> it's holy now. <laughs> is that literally what happened? It could be tap water from St. John's. It could be tap water from St. John's, and the priest or some sort of holy figure will bless it, do whatever they do. Now it's holy. Now it's holy water. Okay. Um, so it is. It has been known, though, that people will drink holy water or put it on their body, like if they have infections or if they have like... They'll go attain some from somewhere? Yep. Like if you go to like the Vatican, you can buy so a little vial? So the most holiest land there is, other than the Vatican, is Lourdes in France. Okay. And other than obviously, you know, Israel or Jer Jerusalem, that kind of right, like, right. like where Jesus was. But okay. uh, Lourdes is a very, very famously religious place okay. where they have a fountain. Okay. And it's all blessed holy water from the Virgin Mary. And I collected some of that water when I went to Lourdes and brought it back for my grandmother. And it's still sitting in the vial. Like, that is not to be touched. That is not to be used. Like that's, What's the purpose of it? Why would you just leave it well, there? Well, it's holy water. Like, the no, sacred no, Why not Lourdes. use it? But, like, it's, it's that kind of thing. Like, you could drink it if it's you like want. It's like bringing her back a spoon for a spoon collection. Like, she's not yes. going to eat with it. Yes. Yeah, it's like a teacup. Okay. Like, China. Okay. 
<laughs> but from France. But from France. From Lords. Um, okay. So, in general, people don't drink it. They, like, it, it no, is... you can. But yeah, okay, but when you go to a Catholic church, you is there holy water? You do not drink sin- the holy water that's sitting in the little cup at the end of the basilica. No, you I don't drink know. I don't that, know. So you get a cup, hepatitis B. There's a cup sitting at the end of the basilica. Yes, where you walk in, as you're walking in and walking out, there's a little cup filled with water. Okay. You dip your hand in it, you can bless yourself if you want. During COVID, I can't imagine that happens. I, I, I don't have that answer. Okay, interesting. But, um, there's no holy water in the Protestant faith. At all? There's no holy water at all? Nope. Only Catholic. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like when people are baptized. Yes, there is. There's baptism. You baptize in water. Yeah, but it's not holy water. We don't refer to it. As, it's just... We're just tap water from St. John's. Yeah, you just pour water in there. There's, yeah. It's not holy water. Well, I mean, wh- literally what makes it holy is that they bless the water. Okay. Well, then in the, on- the only instance that it's holy water. But I don't think they bless it beforehand. But in the Protestant church, do they go around with the bucket and the, the little javel and they... Put it in, they flick it on people as they walk by? No. Oh, so in certain ceremonies in the Catholic Church, I can't. I don't know which ones. They do during Easter, they do dur- during different celebrations. Paul would be a great resource for this. Yes. They have a bucket of holy water. Okay. And this like rod with like a ball on the end of it. I've seen it. I know what you're talking dip about. Dip the ball in yeah. and then they flick it at people and that's just holy and water. you just open your mouth and try and catch it in your mouth. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. with my mouth open wide. <laughs> <laughs> if all the rain drops or Jesus right, drops, drop. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, no, they don't do that. Sorry, the only time water comes into play is communion or no baptism, yeah, and even then, it's just like you just pour some water into the baptismal font, yes. So, to answer Which your is question, heavy to answer your you. question about do people drink holy water, they yeah. can, they do not drink the communal. No. Holy water that that's you, sitting at the end of the church because that is so gross. Does everyone dip their hands in on their way? Is that a thing no, you do? No, no, no. no it's a choice. No, no, no. It's a choice. Okay. okay. Same thing as like taking communion, same thing as taking wine. That's all a choice. Okay. So um back to Annalise. So the Back par- to devilishly stinky Annalise. <laughs> Don't She's devilishly stinky. I know, but if you saw pictures of her, you wouldn't say anything negative about her. Because she's nice? No. No. Or you can see her devilish stank. Not even that. Oh. The parish priest examined the girl and reaffirmed the diagnosis and proposed exorcism as a solution. Her parents agreed. Two rites of exorcism didn't help. Annalise suffered severe diabolic episodes with suicide attempts. She ate insects, did her best to harm herself, and even... <laughs> this is not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. She even licked urine off the floor. <laughs> it's not funny. It is funny. I mean, it's not. But it's very funny. It's not, though, because she was very not okay, well. Okay. No, and yeah, she wasn't right. getting the help she needed. The situation as to why yeah, she okay. licked urine off the floor is not funny. No, it's not funny. She had a, a disability. She was not yeah, well. I mean, she was mentally ill. Yeah. Anyway, um, Arnold Rentz and Ernst Alt. The two exorcists working with Annalise Michel recorded their session on 43 tape cassettes. In one such tape, Annalise is asked to name the demons who are possessing her, and in a horrifically distorted voice, she responds with Judas Iscariot, Lucifer, Cain, Hitler, Nero, and a disgraced priest. Father Renz recalled that he asked the Hitler demon to recite a prayer, and it did in a stutter as though against its will. In this, there's going to be a lot of that face. 
Sure, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. In the summer of 1975, Annalise (laughs) claimed Mother Mary regularly visited her and told her to do penitence for lost souls. The girl agreed and plunged herself deeper into her demonic second life. Almost everyone in her life believed Annalise had been chosen as a victim soul to suffer for other sins. But Anna and Joseph, her parents, didn't give up. Annalise underwent over 10 months of exorcisms. During those sessions, which lasted one or two days per week, she ate dead animals and coal, urinated freely on the floor, and talked with demons. Once, she crawled under the table and sat there barking like a dog for two days. Which is like, in another context, funny? Not really funny in that sentence. No, definitely not. Definitely not. No, no, no. In the end, Annalise weighed 68 pounds and was extremely weak. During the final attempt to drive out the demons, her parents had to carry her around. Annalise died on July 1st, 1976, after nearly a full year and 67 exorcisms. You may be familiar with Annalise's story. Several films are based on it, including The Exorcism of Emily Rose and the 2011 film Annalise, The Exorcist Tapes. So The Exorcism of Emily Rose, they just changed the name? Correct. Okay. I mean, and also whatever they needed to for the purposes of the movie. But it's based, well, yes, it's based it's on romanticized, her story. It's romanticized, we'll yeah. call it, yeah. Uh, but it seems pretty clear what happened here. In fact, the courts rule on it. Annalise died from malnutrition and dehydration due to being in a semi-starvation state for almost a year. She weighed 68 pounds and was suffering from broken knees due to continuous, continuous genuflections. What's genu- oh, like down on your knees down to pray? Down on your knees to pray. She had broken knees from having to do that so often. She was unable. Well, I to... think I think it's because of the malnutrition that broke the knees. Well, yeah, yes, yes, obviously, yes, yes, yes. yes but like when yes, she I was when she was eighty pounds, they still married her down on her knees. She was unable to move without assistance and had contracted pneumonia. After an investigation, the prosecutor stated that her death could have been prevented as late as one week before she died. The state charged Annalise's parents and the two priests with negligent homicide. The lawyers for her parents were sponsored. By the church. Of course. The state recommended that no involved parties be jailed, but instead the priests pay a fine while the prosecution concluded the parents should be exempt from punishment as they had suffered enough. During the trial, numerous doctors testified that Annalise was not possessed, stating that her mental state was a psychological effect brought on by her strict religious upbringing and her epilepsy. The accused were found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to six months in jail, though this was later suspended for three years of probation. And although this was a lighter sentence than people expected, it was more than the defense had actually asked for. So the judge was still like, nope, that's not good enough. Let's do more. Still kind of not a lot. Even after her death, Annalise's mother was quoted as saying, God told us to exercise my daughter's demons. I don't regret her death. In the book Exorcism of Annalise Michel, Author Felicitas D. Goodman claims that an incorrect diagnosis might have been the leading leading cause of her death. If in reality she didn't have epilepsy, the medications she received could have aggravated her mental state and intensified the diabolic hallucinations, pushing her further into the believed possession. So she was obviously schizophrenic. Or something. So the question is, how does this happen? How is it that educated middle-class people in the 1970s yeah, can be so convinced that rather than mental illness, demons are possessing their child. I feel like somewhere between the seventies to nineties is where the ed, like the public education on mental illness, sitting around schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, severe depression, and then the effects of medication 
to cure those illnesses, causing hallucinations, causing those things. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the forefront of it. Kind of. Not enough. Though. Well, not enough for like the pseudo, not pseudo, but more the, so like, 2010 onward, to be honest. Really? Yup. Let's but, but dive. Like, le- there's no way a rational person. Oh well. In the 2000s, would blame mental. Will bl- will be like blind or possessed? Well, do you know what I mean? I like, mean, there con- has yes, to be this, but the there has hold, to be that, hold that thought. All right, I'll put the phone on hold. Put the phone on hold. Off you go. Push the hold button. Remember I, when your phone had a hold button? Your your home phone. Yeah, I do. It's fun. It our was kids, fun. our kids will never know that. Not unless they Harrison have a, and Oliver will never have a home phone. They will never understand a phone having a cord. Nope. A or like holding phone. it and being like physically holding the phone and being like, Mom, phone's for you. Yeah. Mom, Mom, it's twins on phone for you. Like you don't answer the phone unless it's for yourself because it's your yes. own personal phone. Yes. Yep. Fascinating. Anyway, Indeed. Let's dive. Webster's Dictionary defines exorcism as coming from the Greek exorcismos, meaning binding by oath. It's the religious or spiritual practice of evicting demons or other spiritual entities from a person or an area that is believed to be possessed. Evicting, like, sorry, you didn't pay your rent. (laughs) You got to go. You cannot collect your damage deposit. You've been evicted. You shouldn't have painted that room dark red, which I did in my first apartment and didn't get my damage deposit Your knees are broken, therefore (laughs) you don't get your damage deposit back. (laughs) I'm sorry, Emily. Not Emily. Annalise. Emily was the pseudonym. But well done. You're close enough. (laughs) Demonic possession is one of the oldest stories in the book. Quite literally, there are stories of demonic possession in the Bible. Thank you. With the medical advancements and comprehension of mental health we have today, those scriptures are usually read with the knowledge that mental illness was not understood at the time. Yep. I mean, they, they are in the United Church, for instance. I know that. I can't speak for other churches, but I think in general they are. What do you mean? Oh, like, that mental the, illness is understood now? Well, the scriptures were like, Jesus cleansed the person of their demons, usually is now read with the, with the intent of that person was suffering from mental illness they didn't understand at the time. Yes. It is in the United Church. That's typically how it's done. Yeah. But maybe not in the Catholic Church. I don't know. I'm not sure. Academic studies on severe epilepsy or schizophrenia, as you mentioned, have really only made their way to public knowledge and understanding in the last 50 years. Someone suffering from one of these illnesses 200, 500, or even 2,000 years ago would certainly be misunderstood, undiagnosed, and scary to anyone in their vicinity. Yep. Can I back up the truck for like 20 milliseconds? Please do. When you just said in the last 50 years. It still felt like a long time, didn't it? My brain went, the 1950s. No. Nope. 50 years ago, it was the 1970s. Seriously. I know. Sorry, keep going. I just thought that, like, that was the I point know. you made a couple episodes ago. Yep. Sorry, keep going. Um, so, and if the church, the organization that everyone holds above all else, especially then, yep. tells you that demons possess people, mm-hmm. then that would be a pretty solid explanation for why your cousin says that they're Hitler. Yes. Right? Or barking under a chair. Yeah. Ritual Romanum, or Roman Ritual, is one of the official works of the Roman Rite of the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. It contains all of the services that may be performed by a priest or a deacon. Section 11 of the Ritual Romanum lists the guidelines for conducting an exorcism and for determining when an exorcism is required. This is a practice that just seems like it's like shrouded in so much supernatural and foolishness, but it's the plot of horror movies. And yet... 
it's there to this day in the Roman Catholic, whatever it's called, Ritual of Romanum. Still there and used to this day. The official guidelines for exorcism were established in 1614. Up to this point, they were widely using grimoires, which is literally a spell book. Like, it's literally defined as, like, a spell book. We called him Leviosa. Yes, man! That's what they were using. Leviosa, not Leviosa. They had to put the phonetic in. Mm -hmm. These guidelines were working great for everyone for the longest time, but in the 1970s, there was a huge rise in exorcisms all over the United States. A rise in the 70s? A rise. Attributed to the popularity of films and books reviving the interest of the public with thousands claiming demonic possession. Because here's the thing, it's the 70s. The Exorcist book comes out. Then the movie The Exorcist comes out. And it's the scariest thing that's ever happened. But in the horror movie, it's you know it's just a movie, so it's fine. But you've got the Catholic Church at the same time telling people for centuries, and still today, it happens. People are possessed. So now you think, okay, well, I've seen the movie, and although it's a movie... I've got a reason now why my sister's head is turning 360 degrees around. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. If you bedazzled, that'd be a disco ball, first yeah. of all. <laughs> so exorcisms on the rise. Certain priests took advantage of this, performing exorcisms with little or no official sanction. The exorcisms that were performed, uh, and I quote, they were clandestine underground affairs undertaken without the approval of the Catholic Church and without the rigorous psychological screening that the church required. So in 1999, the Catholic Church amended Section 11 of the Ritual Romanum. They laid out specific rules that clergy members and each individual who claims to be impacted by demonic possession must follow. You know, like if they can only turn their head like 180 degrees. Yeah, per... it's like it's around 220. Yeah, where it's got to be a full is. revolution, a or it doesn't full count. 360. Yeah, got to be the full swivel. Yep. Uh, so this includes the rule that the potentially possessed individual must be evaluated by a medical professional before any other acts are taken. Okay. It took till 1999 for them to say this. That's shocking. The primary reason being to eliminate any suspicion of mental illness before the next steps are taken. Yeah. According to Roman Catholic teachings, since demonic possession is extremely rare and mental health issues are often mistaken for demonic possession, the Vatican requires that each diocese has a specially trained priest who is able to diagnose demonic possession and perform exorcisms when necessary. So not every priest is trained in exorcism, one per diocese. Correct. But still, they're not like, it's not a thing. Mm. It's just like, when you can't find a reason in mental illness, it's demonic possession. So, And this is 1999. It's not 1699. No. It's 1999. It's not 1799. It's 1999. I feel like there's one more of these. It's not 1899. It's 1999. We got a potty like it's 1899. Can we... I have a question, and I don't know if you know the answer. Maybe our uh, resident Dr. Dick would know. Um, Can we just say that forever, please? Because I think it's hilarious. Yeah, well, we have to ask Dr. Dick first if we can call him Dr. Penis. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, so schizophrenia is, I would imagine, mm-hmm. one of the leading causes for confusion for uh, possession, mm-hmm. right? I Demonic think, possession. I would think that's true. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. I mean, like, depression doesn't characteristically cause... No, uh, it's, it's mostly it's, it's mostly schizophrenic, schizophrenic and epilepsy. personality disorders, epilepsy, Tourette's. Yeah, anything that's convulsive or uh, like behavioral that will you know, those yeah. kind of things. Anyways, um, so besides seeing the, I guess the 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 uh, not traits, God, 
traits sounds good. Yeah, sure. Not all symptoms. Symptoms. Thank you. Symptoms. Like, is there a like a biological, physiological, like MRI or some sort of test where you could see? Yes, this person has schizophrenia. Other than being like, are you hearing voices? Do you see things? Are you imagine? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you can see the psychological behavioral issues, right? Where you could say, yep, this is schizophrenia. Versus, no, we ran the medical testing. Right. It's not actually schizophrenia. Like right. these, these neurons aren't firing. This part of the brain is not reacting. This communication is not happening between this right. and that. Do you know what I mean? These, I don't know the answer that to that question. I think the answer is no. There is no physiological like if you were to i guess test the brain you might be able to see the neurons are firing irrationally right but you can't be like they're firing in the way that means schizophrenia exactly i think it's just like this person is hearing voices they're seeing things hashtag schizophrenia yeah i probably but then also like if you give the medication the medication doesn't work then maybe the family if they're religious goes there's it's not schizophrenia there's also like and that's half the reason, like, mental illness is such a tricky, tricky thing right now. Yeah. Like, it's literally a cocktails of medication. Well, yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's just like, try yeah. this. Nope, didn't work. Okay, we'll try this. Nope, didn't work. Cool, we'll and try also this. the side effects of the medications Could are technically sometimes... cause the demonic, like, exactly. like she said, she took epileptic pills yeah. or, or, or medications, and yeah. it probably caused all those things. Yeah. Which Anyways, maybe, Dr. Yeah. Dick, when you're ready. Uh, today, the Catholic Church says that most reported cases do not require an exorcism because Catholic officials regard genuine demonic possession— Genuine mm-hmm. as an extremely rare phenomenon. It still happens, but they're, mostly they're you're all mentally now. unwell. They're tired now. See, yeah. the demons. Some exorcists attribute the rise in demand of exorcisms to the rise in drug abuse and violence, which leads to the suggestion that such things might work hand in hand. Many times a person just needs spiritual or medical help, especially if drugs or other addictions are present. The uh, specially trained priests and medical professionals will be able to work together to address the patient and be able to determine what type of illness the patient is suffering from. After the need of the person has been determined, then the appropriate help will be met. In the uh, circumstance of spiritual help, prayers may be offered or the laying on of hands or a counseling session may be prescribed. Rarely does it ever get to an exorcism these days. In fact, today, the exorcist might not even perform an exorcism if if they don't know the person. It'll often be a priest who, like, you're part of my congregation. I know you. You are experiencing something that we can't explain. I, I, I knew you before this was happening to you, so therefore I will. Somehow, none of this makes me feel better, though. Because we're still talking about it in terms of, like, sometimes. Like, sometimes they're demonically possessed. And, like, okay, I guess. Like, there's not a chance that after learning for hundreds of years that all those times you said people were possessed, it wasn't contributed to undiagnosed mental disorders, or it was. Yes. There's not a chance that now, maybe, there's still mental disorders we don't quite understand. They're like, nope, we don't know what it is. You're possessed by the devil. That's a really good point. Like, if you if somehow there is a specific test yeah. that, that can rule out schizophrenia, bipolar, personality disorders, all those lists that We've we now know. We've only figured of. those out in the last hundred years, kind yeah. of. What if there's a dozen more? Exactly. That's a really good point, buddy. And we're, thank you <laughs> so much. I'm sure you came <laughs> up with it yourself. I did, honestly. Mm-hmm. Jeff, I'm joking. Your you're, you're smart and you're you're great and you're you're my best friend. Thanks. <laughs> but there are signs, so they'll tell you what to look for. The Catholic Church will tell you what to look for. Yep. Signs of demonic invasion vary depending on invasion. the type. Invasion. Yep. They vary depending on the type of demon and its purpose, including True. there are thirteen, because that's an unlucky number, apparently. 
Yeah, it is. Loss or lack of appetite. Cutting, scratching, and biting of skin. A cold feeling in the room, which we've talked about before. Yes. <laughs> that was like the second episode. <laughs> unnaturally, or unnatural bodily postures and change in the person's face and body. The possessed losing control of their normal personality and entering into a frenzy or rage and or attacking others. So far, that is all just symptoms of depression. Mm -hmm. Changing the person's voice. Supernatural physical strength, not subject to the person's build or age. Weird. You can't explain that. No. Speaking in tongues, the person cannot have learned before. Physical, have we confirmed like, that the people listening can confirm that those are real languages? Yes. I will confirm later. Oh. Knowledge of past events that person the person cannot have known of. Knowledge of present events the person is not witnessing or having knowledge about. And prediction of future events that become accurate. Hanky-panky, scary. 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 These are the things that are weird. Levitation and moving of objects or things. Yeah. If, okay. If someone starts levitating, I'm calling... I'm, yeah, I'm calling Father Paul. Paul. <laughs> expelling of objects, things, or certain animals. When I think expelling, I'm assuming it's Ex coming out of their mouth. Oh, I didn't... Objects, things, or certain animals. Like a bat. Or like or a like mouse. A protractor. I don't Benny? know. <laughs> um, intense hatred, aversion, and violent reaction toward all religious objects or items. Which is... Nah. Yeah, we know. Yeah. And to the... And Antipathy towards entering a church, speaking Jesus' name, or hearing scripture. Same thing. Nah. Yeah. So it's not a short list. So you get that people are taking advantage of that. Yeah. Wanda Practica, who you can find on Google, has 30 years experience with 25,000 successfully performed exorcisms. Oh, God. Uh, while the Catholic Church usually um, finds that one out of every 5,000 reported cases are true demonic possession. One out of 5,000? Right. And how many does she have? She's got 25,000 successful performed. That's like five? Which still seems like a lot. Five actual? More than zero seems like more than enough. Um, more so, than zero exorcisms is enough. So even for the non-delusional people like Wanda, it still happens, according to the church. According to the Pope, it still happens. Every Pope up till now. So medical professionals can't figure out what is wrong with the person. They are confirmed possessed. How does Father O'Flaherty know what to do? <laughs> well, while casting out the devil is not part of a typical priest's daily duties, it does fall into the job description. 1996, the Catholic Church appointed 10 priests to the position of, of exorcist in the U.S. Only the six? Ten. 1996. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Ten priests to the position of exorcist. The worldwide number of official exorcists was said to be between 150 and 300. While well, they had to justify the job, see. If there's no rise, there's no demand, see. <laughs> While other reports claim there was 300 to 400 in Italy alone. So it's unclear. The, this would include priests who are not official exorcists, but claim to have permission from their local bishop to perform exorcisms at their discretion. So they haven't been trained per se, mm. but they're given permission to conduct an exorcism. Gotcha. Typically, it's like driving a forklift without having a license, right? In a you're, you've only got your five A. Yeah, but you're, you're, yeah. <laughs> Typically, priests and Catholic exorcists, exorcists are given very little training to aid them in that area of the job. What they know, they know from their experience in the role of priest and from the Catholic rite of exorcism, the official document detailing the prayers and steps of an exorcism. Do you imagine if that was a test in one semester? Well, I was going to read it to you, but it is so long. 
it, it's like an like it's longer than an order of service. It was like I scrolled and I just went like you know like when you do like an aggressive flick and it goes, you think you'll get to the bottom. I still wasn't at the bottom. There are spots where the priest speaks and everyone else in the room responds. Like I don't know if they hand out a pamphlet of like here's your your response. The um, they do all of the greatest hits of the Bible. They hit up the Lord's Prayer. They hit up the the um, ah, what? I'm laughing at you. That's funny. What? All the greatest hits. They do. Yeah. They do the Lord's Prayer. They do the ro- like the Rosary, the Hail Marys. They do the Litany of the Saints, which I don't need. That's a Catholic thing. I don't know what that is, but it's yeah. like they name all of the saints, which there are many, many, and they name them all. Yeah, that's yeah. hard to memorize. That's harder than Smoke Remind the Kyle. Just saying. Oh, Step yeah. up. 1992, the International Association of Exorcists is formed, <laughs> which just feels insane. The International Association of Exorcists. Can we join it? We can't join it, Why Jeff. Not? Did you need to be ordained first? I'll do it. It holds biannual meetings in Rome. They also send out a quarterly newsletter to its members. <laughs> it's just a one-page pamphlet. No exorcisms. No, no. Just schizophrenia. It's not. No, 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 no. If only it was that. The newsletter tells of particularly difficult or interesting cases and priests swap tricks of the trade. No! As well, in 2005, Rome's Regina Apostolorum Pontifical Academy, which is the university that's connected to the Vatican, like physically part of the building, started offering a class on exorcisms. In 2005. So the priest shows up for an exorcism, dressed in his surplice and purple stole. That's what they have to wear. Here's the first paragraph as outlined in the rite of exorcism. I can't go into the whole thing, but here's the first paragraph. The Para pre- what? Paragraph. Did I say paragraphed? You did. Okay. The priest delegated by the ordinary to perform this office should first go to confession or at least elicit an act of contrition and, if convenient, offer the holy sacrifice of the Mass and implore God's help in other fervent prayers. He vests in surplus and purple stole, having before him the person possessed, who should be bound if there is any danger. He traces the sign of the cross over him, or her, presumably, but they don't say that, over himself. I was going to say, or herself, but priests are only men, aren't they? And the bystanders, and then sprinkles all of them with holy water. After this, he kneels and says the litany of the saints, exclusive of the prayers which follow it, all present are to make the responses. The rest of the ritual of exorcism is mostly prayer statements and appeals using the imploring formula, asking God to free the subject from the devil and the imperative formula in which the priest demands in the name of God that the devil leave the subject's body. In addition to these recitations, the priest takes certain actions at particular times during the rite, sprinkles holy water on everyone in the room, lays his hands on the subject, makes a sign of the cross both on himself and on the subject, and touches the subject with a Catholic relic usually an object associated with a saint. I don't know what those are. You might. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's that weird little stick with a knob on the end that they flick water with? No, I think they just mean relics, like things that are pertinent to that saint. Okay. <clears throat> like a water gun? Is it- yes, yes. <laughs> the saint of water guns. Saint Francis of the water gun. <laughs> Jeffrey Francis, Sims of the water gun. Uh, uh, Malachi Martin Super Soaker Sims <laughs> Super Soaker Sims Saint of the Water Guns I love it Malachi Martin A former Jesuit priest And self-proclaimed exorcist And a controversial figure In the Catholic Church <laughs> Great Reveals in the book Hostage to the Devil 
what he considers to be the typical stages of the exorcism. And you will love this. Can't wait. Number one, pretense. The demon is... The the demon... Number one, pretense. The demon is hiding its true identity. Number two, breakpoint. The demon reveals itself. Number three, clash. The exorcist and the demon fight for the soul of the possessed. Number four. I'm just going to note to the listeners that Jeff is nodding his head vigorously. He's really Yeah, this is a great action film. Number four, expulsion. If the exorcist wins the battle, the demon leaves the body of the possessed. Those are the four steps, according to Malachi. Malachi! The book details supposedly factual exorcisms that Martin claims to have performed, assisted with, or witnessed. The exorcisms Martin describes are on the level with the exorcism, the film, in terms of action and violence. It has been criticized by believers who think Martin has sensationalized and therefore belittled the power of the devil, because the devil has so much power, and you shouldn't belittle it apparently. Hmm. So as we've already discussed, one of the huge red flags with exorcism is psychology versus religion. But there's another, and that is exorcism for profit. The rise in money-making exorcisms ministries around the world leads many people to reject the validity of the Catholic view of possession and exorcism. A particularly popular exorcism ministry in the U.S., Bob Larson Ministries, televises its weekly conferences. In these mass exorcisms, uh, with which large groups can receive a family rate on tickets, Mr. Larson exercises the demons of an auditorium full of people. Financial donations on top of the ticket price are not required, but they are welcome. So, do exorcisms ever help people, is the question. It depends on who you ask, Jeffrey. So, just before you go further. Sure. The whole Bob Larson... Yep. Peace. So are you speaking directly to those like telemercials of like the people like putting their hands on people who like can't walk? Oh, devil, leave the body of this person. And then they stand up and or they faint. And then when they get up, ever, like, is that what you're implying? Yes. And also, no. Like, also, they just like exercise an entire auditorium of people without having like just in one go. But you've all paid 25 bucks to get there. $25. Well, I'm pretty conservative. I, mean, I don't know how much you paid, but there's like, like $2,500. There's a thousand of you in there. It took you 45 minutes. You just made 2500 bucks in an hour. Oh, trust me. Those plays. No, man. Probably more. So, there's a whole, like, this is a huge tangent. I'm just going to say it like a sentence yeah. and we don't have to talk about it. There's a whole sea of like evangelists. Oh, yeah. That go on these. That weird guy who looks like a demon. You know the one I'm talking about? I can't remember his name. Robert Tilton. Pastor Robert Tilton. I don't know. Who made his, eye, a, his eyes are messed up. Well, there's two guys. There's Pastor Robert Tilton. Like, he makes like millions of dollars a year. Stupid money. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, God wants me to fly a private jet. God wants me to have my jet so I can go. Yeah, I think it's the same guy I'm it's, thinking of. So yeah. like they do that. So yeah, there's there's a, like a lot of, of a lot of like lines on his yeah, face. Yeah, and yeah. His eyes look like he he's has weathered. had way too much coffee. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, demons or whatever. Yeah, 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 same thing. So anyways, keep going. Okay. Um, still some of your wine. So please do. It's Mark West. It's a lovely, uh, I think it's a Chardonnay. The fact that you're drinking it out of a beer glass upsets me, but that's okay. With ice. Ugh! It's um, white wine. So do exorcisms ever help people? It depends on who you ask, Jeff. You won't read about any official Catholic exorcisms being harmful or beneficial because by nature, they're supposed to be low-key. 
not performed in public or in front of press so that the ritual does not become a show, which is fair, but results are not to be published. This is denounced by the Catholic Church. Whether the exorcism is a success or a failure, no one talks about it or documents it. So what you're First saying is... First rule of Fight Club yeah, honestly, is we don't talk about, about Fight, Fight Club. Club. So what you're saying is this is something we deem necessary. We've got a full section in it of our big book. Mm-hmm. We've now got a medical professional confirm we don't know what's wrong with this person. There's a solution that can help them. They're possessed. The priest is the only person who can help them through exorcism, but we don't keep records of whether they were saved, whether they weren't, or whether they died while we exercised them. Don't keep records of that. That's the appropriate sound. Yep. I wonder if they keep the practice of exorcism alive simply to justify the last 2,000 years of the monstrosity. Do you know what I mean? Because there's no way they could be like, in the 1990s, be like, LOL, we were this wrong. was the biggest mistake we've ever made. We're never going to do this ever again. It's definitely impossible. So I think they just keep the practice alive enough, just, enough, just enough just to justify the means. Or just, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. Like, I think they know it's behind so, closed it's so doors. so wrong they can't go back. Yeah. There are pope, popes. Uh, pope John Paul that I read was apparently had exercised three people during, while he was pope. But, like, it was very hush. Like, at one point, like, this girl came. I didn't even write it down, but I... This girl came to like some, I don't know, like sometime where the Pope was speaking or whatever. And she started like yelling profanities and stuff and was like very upset. And her parents apparently had brought her to hope that like being in the presence of the Pope would help. So the Pope noticed this before he gets in the Pope mobile, goes over to her and like blesses her and says whatever. And it made like CBC, CBC, CNN, it made BBC of like Pope Jean Paul exercises this girl in an open area and they're like and the heat and the, the vatican denies that it was an exorcism it was just like well because he didn't follow the the exorcism yeah, it was book. him consoling a person who was mentally sure. disturbed or whatever but it's like uh, but the leader of the exorcism whatever weekly association was like no 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 it was an exorcism he did it of course anyway it's weird and of course, it's not just the Catholic Church who performs exorcisms. We're focusing on that because it's like it's where we are in North America. Whatever. It's low hanging fruit. Yeah, um, it's too much to go into though. It stems from all the same stuff: miseducation, ignorance, religious extremism. And it only gets worse when you get into some remote places. Like I read a couple of stories. I don't even want to get into about like in um, uh, I want to say Paraguay. But I'm not entirely sure that that's accurate. Anyway, sure. Weird stuff. There's evidence of exorcism in Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, Taoism, and ru- numerous other cultures. It's it's everywhere. It's rampant, right? Well, I'm like that doesn't surprise me no. at all. No, I, just, I want to make the point because I focused on the Catholic Church, yes. but it's everywhere. Yes. Okay. It's just you're right. It's the society that we live in. Yeah. Yep. So more on that. Visit your neighborhood Wikipedia. But I thought I'd end with some insane stories that you've never heard Ooh. of exorcisms. Okay? And this is copy and paste central. But I could not copy and paste them because they are... Go ahead. They're just... Like, I think so far I've been a skeptic. These couple of stories, part of me goes, but what if? Oh! You know? They make you think that people could be possessed? Yeah, they do. Cool. Well, I'm going to preface these stories with somebody said them to be true. I'm assuming the majority of them happened before any sort of recording device existed. 
Andrew. As you were. Okay. I mean, one of the two did, but still. So 50-50. <laughs> Mar- Marie Elizabeth de Renfeng was born on... The co- rare thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Marie Elizabeth the, the rare, rare thing. thing. Uh, she was born on October 30th, 1592. Yeah, town- you're right. Tape recorders weren't around the around then. No. In the town of Rimirmont, Rennes. Her parents were lesser nobles, and they eventually forced her into wedlock with a much older nobleman by the name of Francois de Bois, which is a great name. That is like the generic Francois de Bois. He's a piece of shit, but it's a great name. After briefly fleeing from this undesirable situation and being forced back into it, she would eventually be widowed by this man, who perhaps unsurprisingly turned out to be abusive and an alcoholic. She had borne six children to him. At a social event in 1618, a doctor by the name of Charles Pivot proposed to her. She refused, and this would, be, this would ultimately lead to Pivot seemingly using occult means to force her to fall in love with him. The concoctions didn't work well. Like he just started making potions. No, no, no. You heard me right. He started making potions, Snape. <laughs> Um, they didn't work quite how Liquid he... luck. <laughs> they didn't work quite as well as he wanted. Scenes as de Renfang soon fell ill with a condition that was identified by medieval French experts, which basically means nothing, means nothing as being demonically possessed, possessed. No, you realize this is the same thing as us clinically diagnosing somebody today. It is. Yep. Pivot has been using herbal filters to work his dark magic, the ingredients of which apparently severely damaged the health of his target. Desperate to win Elizabeth's heart through any means necessary, he switched to using different mixtures of herbs, but these simply worsened her condition and apparently had serious psychological effects on her. Pivot was eventually con- convicted of sorcery and burned at the stake. Doran Feng was sent to Nancy, which is a place, but it's spelled like the, it's like the name Nancy, Nancy Spain, um, which was the capital of Duchy of Rouen, so that she could be interviewed and examined by a respected physician, Rémy Pichard, and a group of his cohorts. Pichard documented the case well, which I guess they say to like make it more valid. These men all agreed that her symptoms were most likely caused by demonic possession. A small crowd of exorcists descended upon Elizabeth at this point, consisting of various church officials, uh, physicians, monks, theologians, and even representatives of the royal court. These men viewed the demoniac, that's what they call her now, the demoniac, I guess. Okay. Remember Animaniacs? Yeah. That was a fun job. Anyway. <laughs> Back in the 1500s, they would also be deemed as possessed by demons. Probably, even today. At a local Jesuit novitiate chapel on the 31st of May, and we like to get away. 1672. Nope, 1621. During this spectacle, the woman's neck was observed to swell to the point that it seemed as if her head was directly affixed to her body. And all present, including Prashard, concluded that the demon had somehow stretched its host's body so that it was at least one and a half feet taller than previously. This is all documented. Numerous people were there. So it must be real. Well, no, but whatever. Her face darkened, her eyes rolled back in her head, and she began to foam at the mouth. She fell to the ground and writhed around there for a moment, before being hoisted up by an invisible force, almost appearing as if there was an imperceptible string tied to her waist. With her waist held up in the air and her limp limbs dangling down on the floor beneath her, 
This posture then inverted so that her waist was the only thing touching the ground. Terrifyingly, she was then made to climb up a nearby column and briefly dangle from a great height by her left leg before falling to a distance of seven feet onto the floor, landing deftly and without injury. Her clothes stayed fixed to her body the entire time. However, seeing as she had apparently vowed never to denude herself, which apparently is like, like show her body. I could have guessed by denude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, denude. Yeah, I never got it before. No. <laughs> the whole time I proofread, I was like, denude. It was denude. As in like, denude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after the trauma she had endured at the hands of her abusive husband, it's uh, the only one of the intriguing occasions in which the demon seems to respect the wishes of its host more than other parasites might be expected to. Hmm. Weird sentence, but true. Or not. I don't know. The exorcists <laughs> gave the demon instructions in various languages, which were understood and carried out by the entity. It made signs of the cross, carried holy water, and even kissed the feet of the Bishop of Toul. The demon demonstrated the ability to give correct answers to questions about Catholic theology, and then alarmingly revealed the secrets, secret sins of those present. It also pointed out Calvinist and Puritan witnesses, apparently without any prior indication of this aspect of the Christian faith. Sometimes the exorcist didn't even need to speak out loud, and the demon instead simply understood movements of their lips and hand gestures. It would perform bizarre body movements and postures. It was 1625 when the possession finally ebbed and disappeared after a lengthy period of exorcism. The exorcists all signed statements attesting to the validity of the possession, and Durant Fang, which is uh, Murray, eventually founded an order of nuns called the Order of Refuge, and it was meant to help women recovering from a life of prostitution. It was approved by Pope Urban VIII in, wait, VIII, yeah, VIII, in 1634, before Durant Fang died on January the 14th, 1649, while living in Nancy. I mean, I mean, it's the 1500s. It's the 1500s. Who's to say? A, B, it's also written word. There's no formal documentation other than the people who were in the room saying they were doing what they were doing. Correct. But here's the weirdest part that I find. Okay. There's a bunch of witnesses. No, the witnesses are the priests who are doing the exorcism. Correct. It's well documented by them. Yeah. But it doesn't have the element of, like, don't go into the forest. The fairies will get you. Like, you know, like, all those things that, like, people make up because they're like, well, it's a moral lesson that we'll just make up a fantasy thing about. Yeah, no, no, there is. There is. A, like, I but mean, there's not because, like, you know, say the drugs messed her up, right? Which, obviously, they did. Yeah. Um, it doesn't explain her talking in other languages or floating in the air. Because all of that is fake. But, uh, but why would—but, again— the purposes of making it up are what? It's not so, like don't okay. go into the forest or no, no, like no. don't. So I mean, it's like there there has to be some I mean, sort of. Yes, you're right. Yes, but also like, but why make it up though? It well, doesn't have the, the moral thing. Yeah, yeah. So the it's the validity of like, don't do this because you will be possessed by demons. Don't do that because the the devil will get a but hold of you. She didn't do anything. Is my point. Well, here's the thing: she did not want to go into this marriage. She fought the marriage. She ended up, he became a widow. She became a widow of six children. Then was tried to be woed by another doctor. She said no. Woed. Woed. Wooed. Um, so I'm sure somewhere down the line she did something that wasn't kosher. Yeah, but maybe. It's, but even if she necessarily didn't do anything, yeah. it's the idea of like, don't go in the water, kids, or the demons will get you. Like that's, 
whatever, like don't sin or else this, or don't do this or else. And this is the example that they've made of like, hey, little Johnny, remember when I told you not to kick your sister or else Hitler will possess you? Yeah. See Mrs. Down the Road? This is what happened to her. Yeah. He obviously fed her psilocybin and she went batso. And then she went bad cell, but it doesn't make it up for a bunch of priests lying making about up the symptoms. fact that she floated and shit. Yeah, like, they why made all make that up? up? But why though? Well, what purpose? Just be like to she, fit the narrative. To fit the narrative. But it doesn't matter. The fact that she was levitated was is irrelevant. You could just be like she was possessed. She spoke in numerous tongues. She was possessed. There's no point to be but like there, she levitated. But here's the thing, though. But like, obviously, mental illness was still equally around back then. Yeah. So if someone was just showing basic signs of mental illness, they were like, okay, a lot of people are experiencing But isn't that enough? You know what I mean? Why keep going? But they need to make it a little extra. I don't know. I think, A, did they all take the drugs? No, so she wasn't, she wasn't, she wasn't, sat there and she wasn't floating. Or DMT. She was just like sitting in the chair and like, geez, Marie, how'd Why? you get up there? She's like, boys, watch, I'm going to dangle from me left But foot. you better be careful, Marie. That's a steep fall. Or is it like the drugs, uh, and this is a very far-fetched thing, obviously. Obviously. But I'm going to say it anyway. Sure. Do the drugs like unleash some part of her mind where she could unleash like her whole mind? Which none of us can do because like we only use like 10% of our brain, they say. Say she had some weird concoction of... I know, I know, I know what I'm saying. I'm aware of it, but just go, come with me on this journey. The drugs, some weird concoction of drugs that only this weird idiot doctor who got burned at the stake figured out. Mm-hmm. That unleashed like a lot of her brain, which mm-hmm. could allow her to levitate. Oh, okay. That's all I have to say about that. Moving forward. Yeah, please move forward. <laughs> okay. So then there's Robbie Mannheim. Have I heard about Robbie? Yeah. You have? He's my best friend. No, I'm being genuine. Have you heard about Robbie? No, I have not. Okay. Robbie Mannheim was born to a devout German Lutheran family in 1935. Okay. I say in 1984, but I think I mean in 1944. It can't be 84. It's not. 13-year-old Robbie. Okay, yeah. No, okay. So 1940-whatever. 13-year-old Robbie began to experiment with his aunt's Ouija board. I didn't know Ouija boards were around then, first of all. Mm. I never liked them. Since he was a soft-spoken and awkward kid, his aunt was his dearest companion. When she died a year later, he was devastated. Robbie saw only one way to stay connected to his favorite family member, through the Ouija board. Sure. And DMT. What's that? Dimethyltryptamine? I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a drug. Heavy hallucinogen? No, he didn't have that. Soon the family began to experience strange shifts in their household. At first, they began to hear peculiar scraping and stomping noises, and then shit started going down. That's a sound they heard all the time. Uh, Whatever evil spirit was present in their home began to smash, destroy, and break their treasured possessions. Mm, Nope, that's a little angsty Robbie. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. (laughs) Uh, Robbie started to connect with the malicious spirit. Yeah, he didn't he? In addition to developing welts and markings on his skin, his personality entirely changed. Robbie became aggressive and unkind. At times, he would shout profanities, and in Latin, which he didn't speak, at his family members. One night, his mother heard a noise, went to check on Robbie, and discovered his bed rattling while Robbie was asleep in the middle of it. How old is Robbie? Thirteen. Jeff, stop. (laughs) His parents then finally turned to the church. Yeah, as they should 
Shut your face. His family enlisted the support of Lutheran Reverend Luther Miles Schultz. Luther the Lutheran. <laughs> Another one by. When he went to examine the troubled boy, he was greeted with moving furniture, noisy walls. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and terrifying activity. Terrified by his discovery, Schultz turned to the Catholic Church and called in priest Edward Hughes, who showed interest in observing Robbie. Like Schultz, he was disturbed by the boy's evil voice and empty glare. Hughes feared that there were numerous evil spirits within Robbie and demanded that an exorcism be performed ASAP. That's a direct quote. So let's perform an exorcism ASAP. ASAP. <laughs> to control the ritual's environment, they re- relocated Robbie to Georgetown University Hospital. Upon arrival, Hughes had to restrain Robbie, who became enraged. For three unbearable days, Hughes did it. Hughes, Hughes, Hughes. I forgot how to say that word. Hughes did his best to exorcise the restless, restless demons from Robbie's body. All the while, Robbie cursed, spit, cried, thrashed, and foamed at the mouth. At one point, he broke free and slashed Hughes with a sharp bedspring. How he got the bed? How he got the bedspring out of the mattress? I'll never know. <laughs> you should ask my <laughs> ex-wife. The exorcism didn't work. So what do the parents do? Get two new priests and try again. Mm. Raymond Bishop, and his last name is Bishop, and he's a priest. So Luther the Lutheran and Bishop the Bishop. Yeah. And William S. Bowdern. The Bowdern. Yep. (laughs) Both priests immediately agreed that, I don't know, I don't get the joke. Everyone's last name, Luther the Lutheran. And you said Bowdern. I was like, yeah, Bowdern, the Bowdern. Move on. What's a Bowdrin? Jesus Christ. It's a made-up thing. Move on. Oh, good. Good joke, then. Both priests immediately agreed that Robbie needed a second exorcism. <laughs> As do I. <laughs> Fact. After moving him to a psych ward, they spent six weeks performing over 30 exorcisms on the boy. Just stop after six. Like, six is enough. Like, six should be the cutoff. Robbie progressively became more unruly. His cold stare, which is literally the point that freaks me out the most. Um, alone was enough to unsettle both priests. After exhausting themselves, they believed that Holy Communion might be the way to save Robbie. Oh, the pea bread. Yeah, yeah, they should have done on you. Uh, when that was successful, unsuccessful rather, <laughs> the, opposite, <laughs> the opposite of what I just said, when that was unsuccessful, the priest asks the demons when they would flee. And they responded through Robbie, saying um, when Robbie says the proper words. Days later, on his own accord, Robbie muttered, Christus Domine, or Christ Lord. When he spoke it, there were reports of a loud noise like a thunderclap or a shotgun throughout all floors of the hospital. And with that, the demons were gone. Wow. The room where the deliverance was performed was then sealed off in order that none were ever to able to re-enter that area. This is factual. This isn't me making shit up. This is, the, this is it, man. Write it on a, mark it on a rock. It must be real, Evan. Whether whether the demons were or not, they did seal off the room. Oh, yes. I believe that. For decades, professionals in the medical community have tried to diagnose Robbie. Dissociative identity disorder, Tourette syndrome, sexual abuse, group hysteria, schizophrenia, all have been suggested. But no one can explain why his symptoms disappeared and never returned. With no medication, no medical treatment, or counseling, none of these diagnoses could be explained to just resolve themselves. Right? Yeah. 48 individuals testified to witnessing at least one of the paranormal events surrounding Robbie, including the shaking of the bed and the levitating of objects. Levitating of objects? Yep. 
Robbie Mannheim, or Roland Doe, as he's sometimes referred to, is a pseudonym to protect his identity. That wasn't his name. Sure. He went on to marry and have children. He never had a relapse and has no memory of the time when he was possessed. The book and movie, The Exorcist, were based on the story of Robbie Mannheim. The little girl, like the original Exorcist in the 1970s? It was ba- the reason they wrote the book and the movie was this story. Wow. Yup. I got chills. They're multiplying. Oh my gosh. That's it. Man. Like, there's all of it, you're like, whatever, go f yourself. <laughs> but there's a little bit of you that goes, but maybe? Yeah, I mean, like, like do you 48 know what it is? people. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? What? It's this, I feel the same way about exorcisms as I do about UFOs. Mm-hmm. Do We're, you? Wait, wait. Do you? Yes. Okay. In the sense of like, there is evidence, but the evidence is so circumstantial, it is based off of bullshit. Right. Hang on. And can I pause you for a moment? Be, sure. When you say UFOs, you don't mean evidence of other life. Like, okay. So you have. UFOs are different than other life. Like, on the f- unidentified li- flying objects. Yeah. Okay. There, there, I think, you know, the universe is in infinite. There's life, whether it's human or smarter than, who cares? It could be an amoeba. But I think there's life somewhere in the universe other than Earth. Okay. It's insane that Earth is the one place in the entire universe. Yeah, but think about think about my entire first topic about how many moving parts had to align perfectly just for this planet to obtain. But I'll repeat, the universe is infinite. Sure. Do you think that Earth is the only place with life? No. Not okay. necessarily, no. I, mean, I, do, I don't know. No, well, no one knows, obviously. Yes. But like... But what I'm saying is like... I think it's more plausible there's life elsewhere than not. What I'm trying to say is that UFOs on this planet, like yeah, all the no, stories... Yeah, are, okay, yeah. That's that like, different than there being life in general. Sure. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that like, uh, from the sounds of it, you haven't seen all the recent uh, documentation from the US government. They released all of the, all in quotations, the mm-hmm. information they have on UFOs. Okay. Uh, so obviously you haven't seen any of this. I don't think so. Well, we should do a topic on it, but we won't do it right now. Okay. Long story short, I feel about exorcisms the same way as I feel about UFOs. Okay. There is evidence. The evidence is hanky-panky, and it's all anecdotal. Yeah. And the people who say it, they want you to believe it to fit a certain narrative. Yeah. And like, there's like a, there's 3% of the evidence that makes it go... Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. The fact that there's 05 percent that makes you go hmm is enough to make you go hmm. You still went hmm. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? But what? I, but like, like I mean, I can make up a story. All of it is mental. Right? All of it is mental illness in terms of exorcisms. Yes. Except the parts that make you go hmm. Or, but like, here's the thing. You read it on. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Wikipedia, probably, about the fact that 48 people all accounted to the same account of at least one supernatural phenomenon, correct? Yes. Yes. So who's to say that, A, the person who wrote that article or did that made that up? B, who's to say that even if the article and the information of the article was correct, who say all 48 people were not paid off or were not said Oh, so you heard the rattling? Well, well this is the thing with the, the part they try to contribute to mass hysteria. Yes. It's not so much it happened. It's that, like, it's mass hysteria. Yeah. And, you like, know? there's a huge, uh, and we don't have to get into it now, but, like, like social 
psychological phenomenon where people believe what you tell them. Mm-hmm. So like, you'd be like, did you hear a rattle? And they'd be like, they didn't hear a rattle, but you convince them that they heard a rattle yeah. and you convince them that it was this little boy shaking in his yeah. bed. Same way of like police interrogation tactics to make people believe that they're guilty when they're actually innocent. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. there's a psychology to it that I think exists. While, while maybe not intentional, still is effective. Maybe even intentional. People sitting down and intentionally misleading people to believe that. I think in these cases, it's not intentional. I th- think that, you know, if there's 48 people who believe it, I don't think it's it's someone being like, let's craft this to make sure people believe in exorcisms. I definitely think so. You think someone is perf- purposely doing that? Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. To what end? To, to, to continue to fit the narrative of... Of how the power of Jesus and so you think religion the, the, can save people from whatever is happening. Do you think the Vatican from the top down goes like, priests, keep the exorcism going? Or do you think the priests are unaware of it? Do, do you, hey, here's my question. Actually, let me rephrase. Do you think the higher-ups don't believe in exorcism, but try and make the, less, like the lower levels believe in exorcism so that they can convince the public? Or do you think all of them don't believe in it, but they still try and convince the public? I think there is a a suspension of disbelief where all of them, I think, secretly have an understanding that they don't think it's real. But they're a part of a generation that has lost that idea. That somewhere down the line, someone knew it wasn't real, mm. made up the lie. And they've all been just living the lie for so long that they go... Well, I'm not 100% sure if this is real, but we just got to keep going with the right. same narrative, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, on their deathbed, if you sat down and be like, did you really think you did that? They'd be like, mm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think as well, at the end of the day, there are things we don't know yet. Not that I'm saying there are exorcism is real. Yeah. What I'm saying is... I'm more on the side of there's a scientific explanation. Yes. We just don't know it yet. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't think there is a possible scientific explanation that will explain levitation. No, 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 no. I agree. Or any of those like no irrational body strength the one, or irrational. Yeah, no. Like those things. Well, I just don't think so. But there's all the you know there's evidence of the irrational body strength in terms of like when people are in crises. Yeah, but that's not irrational because no, 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 it's explained with physiological. So maybe because of the state they're in, they're able to tap into whatever the hell people tap into when they're yeah. like their children are in the car and they can lift the car yeah, or whatever. Yeah, fight or flight kind of right. thing. Right. Yeah, so yeah. maybe like because they're schizophrenic, they're in a situation that isn't technically life threatening, but they're able to tap into that aspect. Sure, absolutely. It's not supernatural, it's just whatever it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I maybe. can totally agree with that. Totally agree yeah. with that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I, but you no, know, I think th- like we are trusting accounts from the written word of the people who perform the exorcism. Yeah. We are, these are not peer-reviewed third-party no, studies. No, 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 no. They these are, are not, not peer-reviewed. Double-blind placebos, no. like none of that stuff. There's no. It's it's no. the accounts that we are reading are the people who perform them for the people who want us to believe them. I think and, there's way and, too much room for. For, for hanky-panky. And potentially, the people who performed them believe it's a thing. So if you go into it... Yeah, bias. Confirmation it, bias. Confirmation bias, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, You are a priest. Like, there are... I didn't talk about this either, but the, the course that the Vatican offers, the Vatican University offers... Yeah. 
registration for the exorcism course has doubled yeah. in the last 10 years. Yes. So those, and the picture that it showed, I mean, who knows what the picture is, but like the picture that it showed on this You scene, know what it is. It's this jacked priest well, there with a so cross in one hand priests. and holy water and he's just flexing like this saying like, like oh, it's all kill sick. the demons yeah. inside. It's, your arm just looks super buff just then, by the way. Yeah, I know. I'm working out. Well done. Thanks, buddy. Um, but the, all the, in the picture was all these young priests just being like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that now. Yeah. So I'm just like, yeah, but you are tainted by the fact that there is a course for it. Yeah. So of course you think it's real. That's what I'm trying to say. You could take a course in it. But like, that's what I'm saying. There's just generation after generation of people being like, nope, this is a thing. But there wasn't a course until 2005. A a course, because courses didn't exist back in 1500s. No, but they existed in 1940. Yeah. Like university have existed for a long time. Yeah, I guess for validity. It was 2005. They went, we've all been doing exorcism for a while. Yeah. So why don't we make a course about it and everybody can keep believing it? Hashtag let's make exorcisms great again. <laughs> Black hat, red lettering. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm let's make that it. merch. Let's make exorcisms great again. I'm here for it. Anyways, I think it's, I think it's, there's way too much hanky panky. Yeah, there's a lot of hanky panky. A lot of hanky panky. But, but anyways. A, I want to, I want to talk to Father Paul about it. Maybe we can get him on the podcast. I don't know. I'll I'll talk to him. Okay. I think he'd be a great guest. Okay. But we can't badger him with this Thomas Bluffery. But I want to, is my point. Shit, same. <laughs> Maybe off air. Off air, yeah. Um, is that all the material you have? Please wrap this up, Jeff. Okay, cool. I'm very snacky. Are you snacky? So snacky. Snacky back. I got some veggie straws. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Is it veggie straws? Yeah. They're so salty and, and happy. I do like salty things. Yeah. All right. As uh, always, my. We could barbecue. No, no we we're can't. not I'm barbecuing. Evan, get. Oh, my God. I'd love a steak right now. I'm going to call Father Paul and that exercise. You imagine. You. I'm going to exercise you now in a minute. Go on. Do jumping jacks and push ups. I don't exercise, Jeff. <laughs> as you know, I do not exercise. Can I clue this up now? You may. Cool. All right. Good night, friends. <laughs> As always, please. Good joke, bud. Thanks. Go. As always, please head to our Facebook and Instagram page. Like, share, comment, interact. We've been doing our Quick Explain Sundays. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think. And uh, yeah. We were doing our Quick Explain Sundays. <laughs> we haven't recently. Um, for various reasons. Also, if you'd like to send us a topic. You can head to info.splam.gmail.com. Or if you have a, 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 a merchandise. If a, you have a business. A business. a Something you're passionate about in some way. Project. Anything that's coming up. Anything that you would like to promote and you want to be put out in the public. Please let us know. We are happy to promote it. Happy to support local specifically. So if you have something you like us to promote, uh, please also email us at info.splam.gmail.com. At we hope... You learned something this week. Well done. And if you didn't, there's always next week. Did you enjoy your nap? Me? Yes. I was very engaged, you piece of shit. Were you? Yes.